This is the Game Level Learn podcast. Join us as we discuss games, gaming, and gamification in the context of teaching and learning. We discuss games new and old and unpack how those games might be used out of the box as a tool for game-based learning, while also discussing how the mechanics of games can be repurposed for entirely different learning objectives. If you're a teacher or a student, parent, administrator, game designer, game publisher, writer, or just someone interested in cutting-edge education, Game Level Learn is for you. Welcome to Episode 2 of Season 2 of Game Level Learn's podcast. I'm Tracy Wozenegger, co-host, and, and I'm, I'm joined. Oh, I'm joined by John Cassie, co-host <laughs> numero deux, co-host extraordinaire. You're the co-host extraordinaire. I'm the co-host. Eh, he's okay. <laughs> Meh. And in episode two, we're going to talk about one Mysterium. of our favorite games. Yes, Mysterium. Ooh. We're going to use our our psychic powers to communicate and solve a mystery. Yes, yes. Uh, we're going to mostly do a psychic communication uh, between each other uh, in this whole episode. We're just going to be right. mostly uh, mostly that sort of hissing you get from a crystal ball that's uh, you know in a Victorian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> that's in a you know that's in a Victorian parlor. You know, they hiss. No, the, the, I'm not the, spending enough time in Victorian parlors. Clearly, no, no. The radiator hisses, and then it's oh. like you, you are the cameras on the crystal ball, but the radiator, right? No, 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 no. This is again revealing aspects of my upbringing, <laughs> right? Yeah, because folks, you know, even though I sound like I'm 23, I'm actually 198. <laughs> You know, and I grew up in a Victorian farmhouse, uh, you know, in Lancashire, right? <laughs> okay, can you tell us about the gameplay of Mysterium? Can you break it down? I can, I will do my best, okay? okay. Uh, Mysterium is another one of those games where uh, uh, I have great difficulty in, uh, uh, in, um, in winning. But at least I, I understand it depends, it. it depends who you play with. right. Which I think is one of the interesting pieces of Mysterium. But go totally. on, tell okay. us how we so, play. So, Explain uh, how we play. Gameplay in in uh, uh, in in three minutes or less is you are. This is a cooperative game, which means that all of the players are playing to win as a as a team, right? Everyone wins or everyone loses. Okay, one player is a <clears throat> excuse me is one player is a ghost. Uh, Something nefarious has happened to this ghost in a previous year in this haunted They've house. They've been murdered. They've been murdered. Okay. And uh, and the ghost is trying to communicate the substance of the murderer, where the murder happened, and the, 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 the weapon to the players who are essentially taking on the role of psychic investigators. Okay. So you want to think of it as a game like Clue in that you have a person, a place, and a thing, okay? But the trick is, on each of the seven game turns, the ghost is going to communicate to each of these psychic investigators by means of a big picture card that will have a piece of abstract art on it. 
If you've played the game Dixit, you know what I'm talking about because they look very much like Dixit kinds of cards. Okay, The ghost is not allowed to speak or to signal non-verbally any information. All they get to do is draw uh, a handful of these picture cards and they distribute them to the psychic investigators who then have a couple of minutes to talk amongst themselves. I wonder, is that is that wheel meant to match this round element on this particular uh, suspect's card? Uh, is the color of this card matching the color of this room? And on and on. You're trying to match abstraction to abstraction and then correctly guess what the ghost is telling you. If you correctly guess, then you as a psychic investigator get to move from the uh, from the from the suspect area of the game down to the uh, the room. If you get the room, you get to go to the weapon. Now here's the trick: you only have seven turns, so seven clues to do this. And in order to advance to the final round, where you get to guess who did it and where and with what, every single psychic investigator has to have made it all the way through. They have to have at least a suspicion of each of the three things that are in uh, that are in question. Um, where the game uh, really works as a kind of concept is in this abstraction matching abstraction, right? And trying to sort of intuit based on what you know of, if you're the ghost, based on what you know of the investigators, you know, this particular clue will probably resonate with Tracy because I know that she, when she looks at a card like this, she's going to see those birds before she sees those that mice, uh, that there are mice, right? Right. And so I want her to look at the birds to make a connection to this to this suspect where there's also a bird or there's feathers or something, right? And then you have to, as the uh, as the person receiving the card, make a guess. The ghost will then knock once if it's correct, and knock twice if it isn't. Lather, rinse, repeat until you get to that seventh phase. Right. Yeah. Now, and the, the psychics are looking at a tableau of suspects, right? Yes. So you're giving, you're, you're the ghost and you're giving me clue cards and then I'm looking at cards laid out on the table in front of me that have sort of images right. of the suspect. So like it's a person's face and maybe there's some like knickknacks around them that might hint at what their occupation is exactly. or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, you've got, you know, someone who, who, uh, who does some knitting will have knitting needles and the, the right. postman has a post bag and postcards with a postage stamp on them and what have you. Right. And the images on the suspects, the images on the places, the images on the weapons, they never directly correlate. No, I mean, there's there's essentially never a time when uh, you've got a you've got a card that shows a postage stamp. It's like the only thing on the card is a postage stamp. We'll give it to the postman. Obviously, right. no, right? it's never that straightforward. The cl- the clue cards. I don't know if, if if you've never seen Dixit cards or played Mysterium. I cannot 
emphasize enough how abstract right these cards are right you know oh it's a three ring circus but there's a mouse in the middle and forks floating in the air and right and there's a giant what is that thing in the corner i don't even know is right. am i holding this card the right side up is it should yeah. i turn it upside down right I don't right know. Right. I don't even I don't even know what side I'm supposed to be looking at this card. Right. Is that a giant bottle in the background that's meant to look like a castle? Right. Right. Is that a stagecoach going over a bridge? I think so. Right. Oh, this looks like the scene for Mary Poppins with the chimney sweeps. Yeah, kind of, except those are all goats. Right. Right. It's that kind of thing. right? Right. Highly abstracted. The cards are beautiful. The the whole game is the whole game is beautiful. Right. But that beauty can be really profoundly, uh, uh, you know, disorienting. Right. Right. As you're trying uh, – or the other thing that I, did, that I didn't mention, of course, is if you miss the first time, you get to keep the card you were given in front of you. And then right. the next card you're given, it's like, OK, well, these two cards, how do they Are speak not, to each other? Right, right. Now they're trying to tell me a story. Right. Now I'm, I'm being right. told a story. And maybe I can discern its meaning or maybe I can't, right? But, I mean, the fact that it's cooperative means that even if you're struggling, you've got other people's wisdom that you can bring to bear. Sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. Right. right. Sometimes it's the wrong advice. Right. Sometimes it's, uh, yeah, it's exactly the wrong thing. You know, as the ghost, and I've played the ghost a number of times, you, you really have to be very good at not even, just don't even look. And don't listen. Right. Don't listen to the people deliberating or you'll want to bang your head on the table. Correct. Right. Because this is one of those games where the 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 collaborative group can talk itself out of the correct answer as easily or even easy more easily than talking themselves into the right answer. Right. Yeah. Um, So, look, what, what does this game have? It's got the cooperative mechanic. Right. Which I think in a. Uh, in a gamified setting is always a good thing, right? Turn the class loose against the game and they're not fighting each other, which... They're they're forced to socialize and work together. Right, right. And they're not working against each other, which in, you know, anywhere from sort of, well, really anywhere in a school setting, unless you've got people who are quite competitive... There's always going to be students who do not want to compete against each other, and you do not want to bring any of the social drama that's going on in a student's life into a learning experience, right? Right. So, and, and, you know, you want to be quite mindful of that. So it's got cooperative. It's got pattern recognition. Right. Right. And it's got deduction. Right. And right. I would – I would – I don't – it's not, I guess, an official – um, mechanic, but this unique communication element. Totally. You know, which right. is certainly the pattern recognition, but it's it's something a little bit else too, I think. Yeah. C- can you unpack what you, kind of what you think? Because I haven't really I thought d- that through. I, so I, I've played Mysterium, Mysterium a number of times and you and I together right. generally make a good combination. Right. Um, so I've played in games with you where you were the ghost and I have in three turns, boom, 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 completed everything. I get a single card from you. Right. I know what it is and I move on. Bang, bang, bang. 
Right. Um, and, you know, one could say that's because we're good friends. Right. We've spent a lot of time together. We've gamed together. Right. I've played with other people who I also consider good friends who I've gamed together with a lot. And it never goes that smoothly. Right. So there is some alignment in the way that we are thinking about the cards mm-hmm. and the way that our brains are recognizing patterns. Right. That is different from some of our other friends. Right. Um, I tend to not look at the cards extremely literally most of the time. Right. Um, whereas I know a lot of other people do. You know, they will find a tiny fork on the card and be convinced that it's got something to do with food or the kitchen where, you know, the whole card is, you know, dark greens and grays, which, you know, oh, that's moody and that's giving me full on cemetery location. Exactly. Right. And And when, and they can't get to that abstraction. Right. For some reason, but you hand that card to me and I'm in a second. Oh, cemetery. It's creepy. Cemetery. Right. And you're not going to be talked out of it. No. Right. Because, you know, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had exactly the same experience of playing this game when I'm the ghost. That for whatever reason, I can get into sort of an intuitive sync with some people. Right. And with others, I just can't seem to make it. Right. right? And, uh, you know, I've played this game with people who are really excellent ghosts. Right. I mean, I, I got through one game. Uh, maybe six months ago, where we were all through on turn five. Yeah, wow. Wow, right? It was crazy, yeah. right? And this, um, the person who led us, she she didn't really know a couple of people at the table really well. And the rest of us, except, you know, for her husband, who she, you know, obviously knew very well, the rest of us she knew sort of okay, and a couple she didn't really know at all. And yet... Yeah. And yet she had that kind of empathy, right? Right. Um, and I don't know, for, for, for me, that's kind of where this game lands as an out-of-the-box kind of experience in a classroom. Right. Right. You could, you could have maybe an advisory group. Okay. Play it. Okay. So our advisory, when we say advisory groups, we're talking about a group of sort of like a homeroom. Right. Um, a group of students who meet regularly in the morning or sometime throughout the day um, and in private schools where we generally teach. Right. Um, those kids stay together for the four years of their high school careers. Right. 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 So they become like a little school family unit. Right. So you could you could imagine, you know, doing a uh, doing a play of this in a group like that. You know, think about it as a tool of unpacking social emotional learning right right students who are playing it almost inevitably are going to develop better empathy and awareness of the people they're playing with yes if they're trying to win now obviously not everyone some people will play just for their own reasons right right but if you're playing because you want to try to accomplish that goal you have to get more in empathic you have to become more simpatico yeah. How right. is my peer thinking? Right. What What are they looking at on the cards that I'm not looking at, or what? Right. What way are they thinking? 
that's helping them to be successful? What way am I thinking that's helping me to be successful? Right, right. You know, the 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 player who lives nearer to the river, say, a clue that has a river in it might be more resonant for that person. Right. Right. Or, uh, you know, you know that that person plays uh, hockey. And so you see a hockey puck or you see someone in a path, something like that, right? Then maybe you, you, you think, okay, that card, I'm going to give that card to that person in the hopes that by having an image that's sort of comforting or that speaks to them, they'll be able to take it and, yes. and do something with it. That doesn't always work as we know. Yeah. Right. But see, I, I, out of the box, that's how I would. Right. I think it's a, a really great game to help players. So students in this case, even faculty, I think. Yeah. I was going to go um, there. Yeah. 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 Learn to self-reflect on their, on their own learning a little bit or their own communication, their right. own um, thought processes and right. how their their ideas and their thoughts fit into the group. Exactly. Right. Yeah. What is my place in this group of other psychics right. in Mysterium? What's what you know? How what am I contributing to this? Right. Right. Um, Im- Im- imagine playing this uh, during, say, you know, the the week before school. Right. And what you're having people do is reflect on the way they communicate. Right. How they listen, how they how they how they interpret other people's saying. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could be pretty profound in some respects. I, I think it could, too. I think with the right debrief. Right. Following the game that really encouraged this sort of self-reflection. And right. Yeah. yeah I be, think it could be pretty amazing. Right. As a cooperative without a traitor element, like a game like Battlestar Galactica or, you know, these other co-ops where, you know, uh, Fury of Dracula, something like that. Right. Right. Because it's purely cooperative, um, but there's a communication framework. Right. You have to communicate according to the rules of the game. So it's not like a pandemic or a or say an Arkham horror where one person can easily sort of railroad over the thing, right? Right. You know, if you put the person who normally wants to direct everything as the ghost, they're not even allowed to talk. Right. Right. And if you put the person who likes to talk a lot and direct the game in with the other psychics, well, that's not necessarily a help if the person's intuition is generally bad. Right. Right. So it's a really neat reflection tool, right, on the way that I communicate. Now, uh, my school here in Orange County is going to be adopting a tool for faculty reflection called Folio. Okay. Um, which is really, really, really great uh, for encouraging teachers to be very thoughtful about their practice and to give structure to uh, evaluation and supervision and uh, you know classroom observation and what have you. I could very easily imagine playing uh, or having a session on communication and you've got five things you could do one of which is play this game yep right and those people who are keen to do that would get a lot out of just playing this game right out of the box right yes um just like um and you know we'll probably come back to this to Whitechapel at some point when we talk about 
when we want to talk about games and collaboration, right? This is not so much about collaboration as it is about communication and right. thoughtful listening. Yes. Well, I mean, li- li- listening, that's not even really the right word because you're not being told anything, but you're being given this abstract card that you have to quote unquote listen to. Listen to, right. yes. Right, because there's meaning in it if you can understand what the person who gave it to you is saying. Right. Right. Um, when I think about this game from a gamifying perspective, it's a little more challenging. For me, for me as well. Yeah. Now, I'm thinking, well, what about, what about an art class, okay, mm-hmm. where you had students design a new set of cards? Right. Right? Uh, that spoke to something that's unique to the school or, or that's, that's, that's resonant for that student, right? And then you play the game with the new cards, right? Yeah. Or... Again, because it's about pattern recognition, you could envision asking students in, say, you know, a biology class, design three Mysterium cards, the ghost communication cards, right, that would convey the notion of cell division, that would convey the notion of the Krebs cycle. Now, I don't know how you would With, do that, right? Without using diagrams without using, of cells. Right, right, right. So so now it's about abstraction, trying to develop the ability of the student to critically think, right? How do you explain? Have you seen, Tracy, this series of YouTube videos that I just, I just saw one of them recently? You've got this professor who explains a really crude, wickedly complicated topic to five different sort of cognitive levels, right? So he like explains it to a four-year-old and then to like a middle school student and all the way up to an expert, right? That's kind of what we're talking about, right? If you can communicate this concept visually, that's going to generate brain wiring that's going to help you when you're trying to understand a pattern in mathematics, maybe. Right. Right. Or when you're trying to understand a complex poem, the poem has a pattern. What it is may be a little bit beyond your ability right now, but doing this other task, I would think, would help. Maybe. I I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And it's totally formative assessment. You wouldn't... You wouldn't uh, you wouldn't uh, uh, do it on an exam, right? Right, because sure. because it's meant to see can this person really abstract, right? Or are they still in a concrete place, right? Right, and that right. that's the interesting piece. So that's one of the interesting pieces I think of Mysterium: that abstract versus the concrete, right? Right, the players that only want to look at concrete things on the cards, right. And the players that will look at the tone of a card. Right. 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 The mood of a card, the feeling of a card. Right. right. Um, and I think for, for some students and for their teachers, that could be really useful information. Indeed. To right. understand how their thinking has progressed. Right. I also think there may be some value um, in um, 
using the game or designing cards that may speak to different cultural perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I when I view a card or any you know a movie, anything really, a song, right. I'm coming at it from my cultural perspective, which right. may be very different from um, someone else. Right. And I think this could be an interesting way to sort of spark some of those conversations um, where students, faculty, any any groups of people could discuss their different um, global perspectives on things and their different um, backgrounds and how that influences their communication. Right. You could you could envision as a learning exercise, playing around until everyone gets the suspect level, right? Mm -hmm. And then having each player who was dealt a certain number of cards, right, journal for five minutes on, on what these cards said to you. Right. And what you thought they meant and how you came to your conclusion, right? While at the same time, you have the ghost sort of journaling. The same thing. I gave those cards to Tracy because I wanted, I thought that this element would resonate for her or whatever. And then you could find. Or to to me, this means, this thing means this. Exactly, exactly, right? Yeah. And that could be a way to get at very subtle distinctions that that a conversation you know in an advisory group or around the lunch table would never surface right right because the cards are so abstract they're just gonna they're gonna kind of they're gonna kind of pull and poke at things in your way of thinking about the world that um, that maybe you're not even aware are your ways of looking at the world right yeah which to me is is kind of wildly intriguing yes yeah um i would definitely if i were doing sort of a lower school art or Mm -hmm. uh you know middle school art uh have students design these cards yes right because i mean that in and of itself would be a great would be a great exercise right right Um, you'd need to really simplify the mechanics of this game if, to play with lower to, school, right? To play with to play with anyone sort of lower than probably eighth grade, right? Right. I think because it really is abstract, and you know, people who are not with a brain hasn't developed that yet. That's going to be a real, a real hard time. Yeah, that's going to be really hard. Yeah. Um. At, at least at least that's uh, you know, kind of that's my perspective. Um. But a dynamite game to play. Yes, I think it, it it can teach you a lot about yourself. Way more than you would think. I, right, I think, to play Mysterium. I've learned a lot about myself as a communicator. Right. By being the ghost and working with my teammates. Right. Um, some of you out there may find this shocking. I can be overbearing. <laughs> um, shocking, I the know. thought, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's not that's not a great way to be sometimes in a co-op game. Um, right, particularly in a co-op game. And you can't be that way when you're the ghost in Mysterium. Right. 
You have no option. That is not an option. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think Mysterium can teach us a lot about ourselves. I think, um, playing it right out of the box can teach us a lot about our students totally, and the way that their brains are working and the way that they're thinking about things. Um, so I, I do think it's, it's definitely worth a play. Um, it was on our top 10 list. Right. And it was there for a reason. And it was there for a reason. Um, so yeah, it's, it's worth the look. It's worth the play. Um, and I'd love to hear if people have, um, you know, not out of the box was sort of gamified ideas about Mysterium. Totally. Ways to use some of the mechanics. I'd, I'd be thrilled to hear about that from other people. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, because what we've come up with, I think we could use, but I wonder if there's more, there's got to be more wisdom in the community, right? Right. I mean, this game has more than 10,000 rankings on Board Game Geek. Right. People are playing this game. And there are some yeah. teachers out there playing this game. Yes. And uh, I look forward to hearing from them. Ditto that. Yeah, ditto that. So, so how can they hear, how can they tell us all their amazing ideas about Mysterium? They could join the Facebook group Game Level Learn. Yes. They could tweet us at Game Level Learn. They could email me, johncassie at gmail.com. They could email you. tlwasenegger at gmail.com. Right. We can find that info on Game Level Learn. Right. They can go to <laughs> www.gamelevellearn.com where this podcast and all the other podcast episodes that we've recorded are housed and where uh, Tracy and I and a couple of other of our uh, colleagues and co-editors uh, write about gamified learning and game-based learning uh, got new content nearly every week. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about Cult Express. Fantastic. And kind of unpacking sort of racing games and program movement games uh, as a, uh, you know, kind of as a concept. More program movement than racing. Cult, Cult Express isn't a racing game. Yeah. You're saying program movement. I'm saying, oh, I didn't get to have a turn because everyone messed me up. Uh, that's right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, this is the um, this is the <laughs> ultimate in uh, in uh, gee, thanks for that really great move. Right. You oh, you not at all where I expected to be. Right, right. You, <laughs> sir, are a word I'm not sir. going to say on a clean <laughs> podcast. But you, sir, I am saying indeed to you, sir. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, Cult Express in a couple of weeks. Uh, Can't wait. Thanks again for listening, folks. Uh, we're uh, we're looking forward to hearing your feedback and talking to you a little bit about Cult Express. And as the season goes on, other great games. Get out there and game. Get out there and play. Bye for now. And we're recording, and you can start whenever you like. Oh, anytime I want. <sighs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm not gonna edit that. By the Shit. way.